0: You're listening to Artistic Finance, show 75. This is the fourth and final bonus episode following producer Sarah Crasson as she creates the company Flavors of Magic to produce live magic shows in New York City. We check in with Sarah to find out how the very first live performance went, if she made a profit, and if more shows are in the future. These episodes are a reference for anyone wanting to put on a magic show. You can listen time and time again as you prepare to take the plunge. Now, over the course of the four episodes, we learned how Sarah started with the idea, moved it to virtual events, and has now produced in-person shows. If she can do it, you can too. Now, the budgeting, logistics, and psychology of the process are the same for a magic show as for any live event. These episodes are for anyone wanting to put together an evening of live entertainment. Without further ado, let's get to the show.
1: You're listening to Artistic Finance Podcast, where your host, Ethan Steimel, interviews successful artists, leaders, and investors to help educate and inspire artists
0: to grow their wealth. Welcome to the show, and thank you for listening. I'm your host, Ethan Steimel, and we welcome our guest today, Sarah Crasson, who is a lawyer, author of the book, Own Your Magic, and member of the Society for American Magicians, and magic show producer, Sarah, welcome. Oh,
1: thanks so much. My, my intro keeps getting better.
0: Or welcome back uh, to the fourth and final <laughs> of our episodes where we've been following you and Flavors of Magic as it went from screen to reality stage. It wasn't really a stage to parlor. We'll call
1: it stage to, to our live show. It's been quite a journey.
0: Well, first off, you actually produced the show, right?
1: Yes, we we've had the show, so we put on Actually, a total of three live shows. The Two shows that we did in one night, and then we did a show uh, in collaboration with a nonprofit organization the following weekend. If the third episode was uh, subtitled uh, "Sarah Gets Ulcers," this is this is. Uh Sarah, drinks from the cup of glory. Um, or can
0: die happy. Die,
1: well, I'm not, no, I'm not going to say die happy. Has
0: no other goals now? Has accomplished all goals in life?
1: Well, let's just say I, I'm thrilled with how everything went. And um, as exhausting as it was, you know, I'm just delighted and, and euphoric.
0: Hashtag worth it.
1: Absolutely. Hashtag worth it.
0: Your two-show night, how did it go?
1: It went really well. You know, technically, the, the shows went off really nicely. There were no major technical physical hitches performers came up everything went fine the tech worked you could see the performers it, you know it, it was um, we put up a good show that was never the part that I was really that worried about you know that was the part that I, I knew we could do we have a, a great group of performers that are working with us Omar illusion who did our tech that night is fantastic and resourceful and you know i I, I had confidence the whole way through that the the show itself was going to be a good show. And it was. And I was delighted with it. All the performers, you know, were fabulous and, and you know, did their magic. And it was great. Uh, and they were a blast to watch. And so I'm I'm RJ, Eric Walton. You know, fantastic job, guys. Yeah,
0: I um well, OK, I went to the 7 p.m. show. First of all, I loved it. Uh, Nicole came with me, my wife, if no one if people don't know that. So Nicole went with me, our friend Eric came in from Albany and he went with us. And the setup was perfect. It was the second floor lounge at the Russian Samovar. You walk up, it's dimly lit, samovars, Russian paraphernalia all over the place, a cozy feeling. The seating was all couches and really comfy chairs. The tickets came with drink tickets, so everyone made a beeline for the bar, or at least I made a beeline for the bar. (laughs) And everyone has their drinks in hand. Totally relaxed environment. And the magicians, you started off with RJ, such high energy, so much fun. And then the second magician, um, I don't know if people know this one, but went by the name of Sarah (laughs) Crasson, performed with uh, a little sidekick, Bamberg. And then your third uh, performer Eric Walton rounded out the night with his uh, mentalism.
1: Very polished, very elegant. Um.
0: Fantastic evening! I totally enjoyed myself. Did try to find a seat in the back, but the only couch with three people was in the front ish. So unfortunately, every party that was a party to my ticket, we all were selected to go up on stage and/or participate in somehow, which is sort of my nightmare. But that being said, I had a really great time. So, congrats from audience perspective. I thought it went swimmingly. I would totally go back to see that show again. I've been to Monday Night Magic here in New York City, and I don't have to pick one over the other. However, I would definitely come back to flavors for sure. Anyway, but I think you have a show, and a real show, and I felt like my $50 ticket was totally 100% worth it. Did not feel like it should have been less. Didn't necessarily feel like it should have been more. Don't raise your prices. No, no.
1: <laughs> I, I, I feel like that was a great sweet spot for us. And it felt like, uh, you know, $50 was a really good value. It worked well for the venue. It worked well for us. Um, and I think that that, that that was a mistake that we made with the virtual show that we priced it too low and we made it seem like it was low value because the price tag was so, was so cheap. $50 for the drinks and the show, you know, it, it's a date night. It's a, You know, it's a little higher. It's a little fancier than, you know, just, well, I'll pop in and see something for cheap. It kind of set the right, the right, it was, it was in the right spot. I think, I think we hit the right, the right level with
0: it. So there was 30 seats available for each performance. We knew going into it. A couple weeks out that you had three tickets yes. sold. Um, <laughs> so that was always a question mark. The
1: source of my ulcer. And,
0: and you were saying that the day of was probably when most people were going to buy their tickets. So did that play out where a majority of the tickets were sold day of? And how many tickets total for the two shows? Total of 60 tickets. How many did you sell?
1: I would say between the day before the show and the day of, we sold the vast majority of the tickets. We sold uh, 30 tickets to the show. Uh, yeah, that's right, 30 tickets. The first show was uh, about two th- was, was two-thirds full. Second show was about one-third full. But the audience was still uh, very uh, involved. It participated. It, it was a, still a very warm room. And so even though it was only a third full, the Russian, the, the Russian Samovar space... I think helped a lot because it still felt cozy it didn't feel uh, it didn't feel like it was empty and and cavernous
0: right. We talked about that in previous episodes of that's why you chose Russian samovar in theater we do this all the time is picking the right theater for the show so you you had thought that through. I have to ask because I have to ask Omar illusion he's been helping you out with flavors technically for the virtual
1: and he performed and he's on the production team
0: did he get paid to be there that night
1: he did get paid
0: were performers and you and omar all paid equally and then like the excess was put into a flavors pool or how did you do that
1: that's what happened everybody was guaranteed a flat fee all right so fine
0: (laughs) for the record everyone i'm like (laughs) waving my hands like what is the number I've been chiding Sarah to give us exact numbers off air. <laughs>
1: fair enough, fair enough. You're you're absolutely right. Okay. And I well I'm a little, you know, it's it's hard. No, no.
0: I told I hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. I get it. It's totally taboo topic and I'm pressuring you and that's not fair of me and I totally shouldn't do it.
1: But you're still but you're still gonna and that's okay.
0: But but yeah, but I'm I'm still going to, you know, things that are uncomfortable.
1: And it's totally okay.
0: Like things that are uncomfortable help us grow and it's important for us. And I'm
1: uncomfortable and I'll get over it because it's important information. And it would have been useful for me if somebody had shared this kind of information with me when I was working on my first
0: show. Exactly. I'm thinking of all the magicians in Missouri, my hometown, St. Charles. I'm thinking all of them that they could gather three magicians and do a three-show act at a pub or a bar or a theater or something, and they could hear your numbers and think, they're either going to think, oh, that's wild, and I'm never, ever going to even try it. Why bother? <laughs> or, whoa, okay. I I could do that. And that's what, so that's what I'm hoping. That's sort of why I want the numbers. Um, And I also want to say that I know you were, last time you were said, oh, I don't know about the actors or the magicians about, you know, I don't want to put their pay out there in public. They're gig workers and they go gig to gig to gig. So they could have a gig that pays 4,000. They could have a gig that pays 40. That's the nature of the business. And then also RJ, in his act, he made a really funny joke. You want to see something amazing tonight? Even more amazing than an employed magician during COVID, which I thought was a really good joke. And it admitted <laughs> that he was getting paid to perform.
1: Everybody. And I, I would say they kindly agreed to perform to support the show at this rate. It's not This is not their usual rate. But each performer got $150 for the two shows. And so I, I appreciate their supporting the show and taking that. I paid Omar the same.
0: Yeah. And yourself.
1: and uh, And myself. Although I haven't written myself the check yet.
0: Uh, I have nothing but time. Go ahead and write that <laughs> check, Sarah. <laughs> you sold 30 tickets. Did you want to walk us through that math? 30 tickets, that's $3,000. I, wait, I don't know math. Is that right?
1: <laughs> it was 30 tickets at $50 a ticket. Because of my personal distaste for agreeing to buy a ticket and then being surprised by fees and surcharges, all of the brown paper tickets... Handling fees and and their money came out of the fifty dollars as opposed to being an extra charge on top of that Uh, and that's just my thing because I think that's nicer to do it that way so we get you know a little less than like forty six dollars and change the restaurant got twenty dollars per ticket to cover the cost of the drinks they also got a five percent fee from the flavors cut for the cleaning and, and maintenance of the space. Uh, then the rest went to flavors for you know the expenses, performers, and so on. After paying all the performers and a few miscellaneous little fees for some snacks for the performers and the printing of posters, flavors made a little over $100.
0: I'm just doing the math to see how much the Russian samovar made. So 20 times 30, 600. So they made 600. And then that 5% they took for cleaning.
1: About 40 bucks, yeah.
0: So they made $640-ish. Plus all the people that ate at a restaurant. So before you paid everyone, it was $700 in profit you would have had. So then after paying everyone, 100
1: Park, yeah.
0: So I'm just trying to strip out all the expenses to figure out what your snacks and printing and all that was. 600
1: uh, it was in, on the order of 50 bucks snacks and printing and sundries
0: oh so above performers and production crew it was just 50 bucks
1: well yeah i mean a few bucks here and there but yeah around that yeah i mean everything else that i needed i had around i already had the lights and the gels and the extension cords and so on
0: and, and the magicians you don't ha- other than snacks you don't have to provide them with anything because they're One person shows that just show up and have all their materials.
1: Yes. They're all self-sufficient. They show up with their own costume and materials. And I mean, some, you know, Eric brought his own sound equipment and microphone and Omar brought his sound equipment and a mic for me to wear, you know, everybody kind of is a, is a one person show to a certain degree and and brings their equipment with them, which is a, a real um, a real benefit of working with experienced magicians.
0: I must say, I, I followed RJ into the venue w- without necessarily realizing that is what was happening. But I thought, well, this is a well-dressed person with a briefcase, interesting, walking into a Russian restaurant. He just showed up 15 minutes before the show and did it and presumably left 15 minutes after the show. He really had his like time condensed quite well, I thought. I'm assuming Eric Walton had a little more um, setup to do. So he probably showed up like an hour or so ahead of time. Uh, It's just a time is money sort of thing as like, you know, how can you condense the time? And I think RJ really did it well.
1: Absolutely. And his show, he did his show out of his case. He comes, he opens his case, he does his business. And it's a very efficient way to run.
0: Can I ask you about your Untermeyer show? Am I saying that right?
1: Untermeyer. The Untermeyer Gardens.
0: So your Untermeyer Garden show which you did the following weekend. How does that work budget wise? Because it seems like you took the exact same show
1: question mark. Totally different show.
0: Tell us about that show.
1: It was, it was a flavors of magic project. In fact, my idea for flavors is that every show would be different. Every show would be a, a different set of performers. We might have the same performers back on another night. We might have different performers They, you know, it, depending on who's available and who wants to do it and who's got something interesting going on, who knows. But so while the setting is the same and the idea of highlighting the diversity of the magic community is the same, the performers that you'd see at any given show would, would be different. I reached out to Untermyer Park in Yonkers and I grew up in Yonkers, so I have uh, history there and, and relationships, and have long known about Untermeyer Park. And I volunteer there sometimes. Thought it would be really cool to maybe do a do a partnership, do an event there. They host concerts during the summer, and I thought, well, if they have uh, a dance group, if they have uh, a music group, why not some magicians? So I reached out and pitched a couple of ideas. We came up with an agreement about what we were gonna do. And so I brought in uh, through my relationship with the Society of American Magicians, uh, the local SAM group, which is based in Yonkers. And so they were gonna do some magic. uh, Maybe they would perform a little bit, maybe they would just do a teaching table where they would teach the kids some magic that they could do with stuff that they already have at home. And we would also put on a, 45 minute family friendly magic show. And they have an amphitheater space. It was a great partnership. It was much easier in many ways than doing the, uh, the samovar show. I didn't have to negotiate so much with the venue. They, They knew what they wanted to do. They were participants in this. We were splitting the gate they had a real incentive to promote and they have a mailing list and a Facebook page and an audience in the community. They did a great job of promoting it and I put my efforts behind promoting it as well. And uh, I, did, I did not get to interview each member of the audience like I did at the Russian Samovar <laughs> to find out exactly how they found their way to us. Uh, but they really took a lot of the, the load off my back in terms of the promotion.
0: You were splitting the gate, so I was thinking they sort of purchased your show, like, we're going to buy your flavors package, but how, uh, can you break down the budget for this show?
1: They didn't purchase a show from us for a flat fee. We split the gate, so whatever they sold in tickets, we would just break in half. That was very comfortable for them because then we, they, they weren't going to be out any money if it didn't work. We were all sharing, sharing in the uncertainty together and nobody was going to be out money. At the end of the day, they sold 172 tickets. Tickets were uh, $10, $10 for adults, $5 for children. I did a little bit of research and people kindly, uh, some magicians kindly, gave me their thoughts on what good ticket prices would be for a, a venue and a show like that. Uh, that was about the right price point for an outdoor show. In an outdoor show, you're competing with other shows at other festivals and fairs outside that are free. They sold 172 tickets taking in $1,370. So the flavors the flavors cut was $685. My deal with the performer, a fantastic magician Rogue who is also on the Flavors of Magic team, has appeared on America's Got Talent and is a is a really delightful performer did a 45 minute family show and he agreed to work for a third of whatever my whatever flavors he got about 225 the society of american magicians also got a third got 225 and flavors gets 225 then there were some minor expenses for drinks and snacks for the performers and the teachers so I spent about fifteen dollars on on water and stuff.
0: Okay, so very similar income-wise, virtually the same as the same of our show. Roughly seven hundred dollars income for each one to then pay all your expenses.
1: So much less work, though.
0: Yeah, much less work. So the Society for American Magicians, I zoned out. Why did they get a third?
1: They contributed the teachers for the magic teaching table.
0: Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. I, yeah, I, I was listening, but also not listening. And then when you say flavors got two twenty-five did you pay yourself 225 like when we say flavors is getting 225 do you own flavors the entity so in a way that's going to you or is flavors getting 225 and then you're going to pay yourself for booking the gig and all the overhead for you
1: so flavors is is an llc so 225 went to flavors i did not pay myself for for doing the work that i did in association with that show because i own flavors I mean at, at some point, I suppose I will have to work out a fee for myself so that I'm being properly compensated and my interest is separated from flavors
0: well and or if if you can't make it to a performance which hopefully you'll be doing so many that you're not going to be able to make them all something to pay whoever is the you that that goes and coordinates everything
1: exactly yes so there that there should be if, if somebody else has to take that role that there would be a, a fee associated with that
0: and just because I'm a lighting designer. This was an outdoor venue, right? So you didn't need any technical microphone or lighting or anything. Well,
1: I did have to move the sun just a little bit to the left because it was in the performer's eyes.
0: So you just waited a couple hours? Is that how you moved it?
1: It's a really big ladder, and I pushed real hard. Okay. No, there All was right. there was what? no there was no tech. Uh, well, I'm sorry, that's not entirely true. The lighting was what the lighting was. Uh, he did bring his own sound equipment.
0: But but I'm I'm just sussing out if there's there was nobody else that needed to get paid from the venue the The venue paid their people to set up the tables and take them down, et cetera.
1: exactly. so the the venue had had set up table had set up tables for us. I got a banner from the Society of American Magicians, but they supplied tables and chairs and a few items that the performer needed uh, some chairs for him. They put the cushions out in the the stone theater. They did run electricity to the amphitheater if we needed that, and it turns out that we didn't. They supplied all of that and paid their own people. So we we provided the experience and they provided the space.
0: Okay. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for doing all four of these episodes, taking us from your virtual shows into now having done a two-show night plus another night. So you have two live in-person magic shows under your belt already. I'm going to ask you what you're doing for the future, what your plans are for the future. But I just want to say that if anybody wants to listen to the first three episodes, that those are 60, 62, 71, then this is 75. So string those all together. And you can see Sarah going from sketching out the budget to what she thinks she might do to postponing the show, to reinstating the show, to doing the show to today. And so if you're anywhere in the world, wanting to put on a magic show. Sarah has laid out a perfect example of one or two ways that it could operate. So Sarah, thank you for that. And congratulations on having done these shows. I assume you're going to be doing more. What's the future look like?
1: I told people on the night of the show at the Russian Samovar that nobody was allowed to ask me for a few days if I was going to do more because I needed, I needed a break. But having had that, uh, yes, of course, I'm going to do more. I mean, it it was brutal and it was hard and it was frightening. The small breakdown that I was having at the time we recorded the third episode is something that I will be embarrassed about forever. You know, I did get really good advice and really good insight from people who'd done it before who told me that not quite in so many words that you just got to gut it out and get through that. And they were right that it was, it was last minute. And I learned so much from this process and I'm looking forward to doing more. And I have some ideas about other partnerships and other theater spaces and how to, you know, not make some of the mistakes that I made the first time and some new mistakes that I might want to try, you know, continue the adventure and see what I can, see what I can build. I mean, is it, is it financially worth the work that went into it? The Russian Samovar shows Flavors of Magic ended up making you know, $100, $200, somewhere in that range. Was that worth all of the, the, the heartache, you know, the time that I put into it? Uh, you know, that's a terrible rate for the compensation of my time. It's a start, and starting something new is, is hard, and that's okay. I'm, I'm okay with continuing to, to work like that for a while and see what, what we can make.
0: And I'll point out that you're a lawyer, and so you formed an LLC. If somebody wants to produce a magic show, they don't necessarily need to form an LLC, which is an extra cost. True. Also, you have a website that you can put on a magic show without a website. There, there are those extraneous costs that we didn't really talk about.
1: The website so far has been, except for the 11 that I spent buying the URL, because I've pointed the URL at other things that already existed. So, a YouTube page that had video of of the virtual season or the tank, because our our virtual season was was in partnership with a theater organization here in New York called The Tank. When we did our virtual season, they made a page for Flavors of Magic. So, I made flavorsofmagic.com point to their page. When we were working on the Russian Samovar show, when I set up the ticket selling website and we used brownpapertickets.com, they, I was able to set up a Flavors of Magic page on brown paper tickets to sell the tickets. It lets you upload video clips and still images and text about the show. And so I just had flavorsofmagic.com point to that page. We have do not yet have a real dedicated web page. We've just pointed the URL to whatever was useful at the time. So that was not a major expense.
0: Well, and you're a lawyer, so did you pay to form the LLC, or did you fill out the paperwork yourself, or how did what did that cost?
1: I, I actually paid for it. I could have saved a little money doing the paperwork myself, but that didn't sound like a lot of fun. It's a little outside my area of expertise. It's not what I do on the day to day, so I just figured I would save some time there and solve that problem with with a little bit of money. The other important thing was if I had done it myself. Part of forming an LLC in New York is that you have to publish the existence of the LLC. So if you look at some of these little newspapers, you'll see legal notices in the back. And so you have to publish these these legal notices announcing to the world that you have started a business. And in New York, uh, newspaper space is expensive. So there are services that will do the paperwork for you. You fill out some forms and tell them what kind of business you want. They will do the paperwork for you and file it for you and publish it for you. And because the business that's doing it for you is located in a much cheaper area, publication in a local newspaper costs a tiny portion of what it would cost in New York City. But I probably actually saved money by paying them to do it for me because I would not have to pay New York City prices.
0: And and how much did you pay roughly to form the LLC? Cause I assume this is a standard to form any LLC pretty much. It's roughly going to be $500 question mark.
1: I, you know, I don't, I actually don't have that, uh, that information in front of me. My best recollection is that it was somewhere in the like $350 to $400 range.
0: I, I wasn't sure if there was like extra costs involved or whatever, or if it's a flat fee.
1: It was a, it was a flat fee. It covered the starting paperwork, the publication fees, once I had done that, I had everything I needed in order to start a bank account.
0: Okay, a quick a quick online search says that it's two hundred and twenty to f- two hundred and twenty dollars just to file with New York State. That's your minimum if you were to do all the paperwork yourself. That's just the f- the fee to file and to reserve your name. All that extra would be a couple hundred bucks more. Um, okay, I'm sure people are super bored about that, and they're like, "We're not going to form LLCs. We're just going to put on a magic show." Right,
1: but you don't you don't have to do any of this stuff because If it's just you doing the magic show, if you want to put together a thing with a couple of other people, it can be as formal and fancy or as informal and ad hoc as you want. And what I really found is, especially you're working with magicians. These are people who are, these are performers who are used to coming in. They bring their own show. It's not like putting on a play where you need everybody to come together to rehearse and, you, you know, specific costumes and so on. Uh, the performers show up with their own act. They show up, they've got their own costumes. They know what they need because they this is what they do. They show up at a venue, they do their show, and they usually have what they need in order to do that. The show itself is uh, is the easiest part of the whole thing. Once you've you got to find your performers, putting on the show itself is is the most straightforward part.
0: Well, Sarah, thank you so much uh, for doing this. I can't wait to see lots and lots more live in-person Flavors shows.
1: Thank you so much. And look, thanks for, for your support and for, for everybody for going on this journey with me. It's, uh, it's been challenging and knowing that I had reportability to you has, has kept me going. So I, I appreciate it.
0: That was the fourth and final episode following Flavors of Magic Live. My takeaway from this episode is that Sarah has laid out her budget, her challenges, and her full experience for our benefit. These episodes created a blueprint that you can follow to build your own evening of entertainment. If you're a magician wanting a gig, you now know how to create one. What was great about Sarah is that she didn't provide us with glitz and glamour. She gave us the budget, the show layout and logistics, and the emotional ups and downs along the way. You can do it too, my friends, and anytime you feel in over your head, listen to these episodes again and again to know that's an expected feeling. If you aren't interested in magic, but you want to produce a musical cabaret, be sure to listen to episode 63 with director Rob Schneider. He lays out how he produces an evening of musical performance. If you aren't quite ready to produce a magic show of your own, but you need to fill a producing void in your life, please become a producer of Artistic Finance. It is support from our producers and patrons who allow this show to have made it to episode 75. Their generosity, both financially and behind the scenes, allows Artistic Finance to continue to be a free resource. If you believe in the conversations we're having and want to help them continue, please join us at patreon.com artisticfinance That's patreon.com artisticfinance artistic finance. And will you be in Las Vegas on November 20th? If so, come attend our live episode, Multiple Streams of Income with Ebony Madry. We'll be recording live at LDI. For a free ticket, email me at artisticfinancepodcast at gmail.com. If you have any feedback for the show or if there's anything I can do for you, get a hold of me at artisticfinancepodcast at gmail.com. That's it for today. Until next time, break a leg.
1: Thank you for listening to Artistic Finance. Make sure to subscribe. To access our show notes, transcripts, or resources, go to artisticfinance.com. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decision, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by Artistic Finance. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.